Hello, and thank you for listening to Author Chats, a Quarto Group podcast featuring conversations with authors, editors, illustrators, and more. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and today I have an extra special podcast episode to share with you because we have not one, but four authors joining us to talk about unplugged and organic nature play for families. Joining me today are Karen Madigan and Monica Wheel-Lebinski, co-authors of Nature Play Workshop for Families, a guide to 40-plus outdoor learning experiences in all four seasons. Nick Netto, author of The Organic Artist for Kids, a DIY guide to making your own eco-friendly art supplies from nature. And Rachel Jepson-Wolf, author of The Unplugged Family Activity Book, 60-plus simple crafts and recipes for year-round fun. Since this is such a packed podcast, we're going to go ahead and just dive right in and chat with Karen Madigan, Monica Weedle-Lebinski, Nick Netto, and Rachel Jepson-Wolf. First of all, thank you so much to all four of you for finding time to talk to me today. This is actually the biggest group that I've ever Skyped with, so this is particularly exciting. Thank you so much for being here. If there's one sort of common thread between all of your books is that you guys all explore nature as a source of play and fun. So I would love to start this interview by asking each of you to explain sort of your books and take a moment to introduce your work to our listeners. And we're going to start with Monica and Karen. And we'll start with Monica and then we'll have Karen add on. Great. Well, thank you so much for for inviting us to be here. We're really excited to to talk about our book. Um, uh, So my name is Monica Weedle-Lubinski and I'm the co-author along with Karen, Karen Madigan. And uh, we've written a book called Nature Play Workshop for Families. And it's a guide to over 40 activities uh, and outdoor experiences that families can have with their children. Uh, We really just want to encourage people to spend more time outdoors, just developing a connection to the places wherever they call home. And we, we just see it as a really healthful thing to do, um, especially right now in this, in this moment um, of stress and anxiety over our health. Being outdoors is rejuvenating, and, um, and we hope that our, that our book can help families just take some solace in the natural world. Yeah, thanks, Mel, for having us on. Um, I could just add that our book is broken up by season. So each section's a different season and there are activities that, um, you know, are good to do during spring, summer, winter, and fall. You know, we're just excited that our book is finally out and, um, we hope that everyone who, uh, uses it enjoys it. Yeah. As of recording this, your book is out this week. So that is particularly exciting. Uh, Nick, would you like to introduce us to the organic artist for kids? Sure. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for inviting me on. This is a great opportunity to talk about my book and to also just learn about other cool books that are out there. So happy to meet everybody. So my name's Nick Netto, and my latest book is called The Organic Artist for Kids, which is partly a companion to the, my first book, The Organic Artist, also partly a sequel, but it definitely stands alone. And The whole premise of this book is 
it's a how-to book on how to make your own art supplies from the landscape, whether that's a backyard in suburbia or um, an urban park or somewhere out in the rural wild world. And it's an invitation for people of all ages, really, to find their way into nature with basically the, the coolest scavenger hunts you can engage in, <laughs> in my opinion. So really, it's, it's the, the idea is to get outside and to learn how to make your own art materials from paint to paintbrushes, pens, inks, crayons, charcoal, all sorts of different things. And with this book, one way that it's People ask me often, how is the organic artist for kids different from the organic artist? Other than the obvious for kids <laughs> part, it's really, uh, it could have been titled the organic artist for adults who want more immediately gratifying projects. <laughs> A longer title. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't pitch that title. It wasn't, I didn't think it was uh, necessary, but um, in other words, it's, I had so much fun working on it that I realized either I'm still a kid or this book is for anyone who wants to get their hands dirty and be creative outside. That sounds like so much fun. We're going to come back to talking about all of these books, but let's take a moment to have Rachel introduce us to the Unplugged Family Activity Book. Hi, Mel. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you all. Um, Monica and Karen, I can't wait to get my hands on your book. And Nick... Um, my daughter, who's 13, is completely obsessed with your book. She adores it and has been diving in our creek for different colors of clay and rocks to grind up. And we're going to the Beaver Lodge to get pencils. And she's been fully immersed. So it speaks to the power of one simple book in your hands to inspire really big um, exploration or big changes in how we invest our time. Um, my book is the, my new book is the Unplugged Family Activity Book. Uh, my first book is also inspiring kids to get out in nature. My first book is um, Herbal Adventures, which is an intro to herbalism for children. Uh, but my new book, the Unplugged Family Activity Book, is seasonal celebrations and um, crafts, recipes, and projects that you can do with supplies you find outside as well as things you already have on hand. Um, so like Monica and Karen's book, it's broken up by season. Um, so there's a, you know, a, a cluster of activities and recipes and then one suggestion for a seasonal celebration, um, to do with your family or eventually when we can gather with friends again, um, there are some activities for larger groups in there as well. So let's go ahead and go back to the beginning here and talk to Monica and Karen. Your book, Nature Play Workshop for Families, focuses very heavily on sparking a nature connection, specifically within a family unit. Um, so can you guys sort of talk about why you think it's important that families do these kinds of activities together? Well, I would like to say that I'm really excited to find out more about Nick's book. Um, I can't wait to get it. And also Rachel's, I'm just, I, I just can't even wait. I honestly, I'm going to order it, right? Order both of those books right away. Um, but as far as, um, you know, the importance of doing these projects or activities or experiences with your family, right now, especially, we're all together <laughs> in our own little bubbles um, with our families. And, you know, just getting outside and, and just being in nature even without a, a guide or a book is so important for our own mental health as well as our physical health and our own sanity. 
So, you know, I think that it's just natural for families to want to investigate and explore. And, you know, it just makes more sense to be outdoors. um, And it's definitely more fun that way. What do you think, Monica? Um, I I did want to jump in about why it's so important for, for us to be engaging families. A lot of times families have such busy schedules and every part of a child's day can be so structured that families forget how to play together. It just feels like you're moving from one activity to the next. And a lot of children are at a loss when they have time to just to play. Uh, And that's when they revert to the screens, which give that immediate satisfaction. Um, But by encouraging families with really approachable activities that could be done anywhere, um, in a park, on a balcony, or in a wild space, uh, we can we can empower families to sort of reconnect because a lot of adults and parents need to feel that sense of curiosity and joy for themselves uh, in order to share it with their children. So the family the family connection is is really important. You know, we talk about teacher, uh, parents as a child's first teacher. We also talk about nature as the third teacher. And um, those those things are true. But if if parents don't see the value for themselves in that outdoor time, then there's really no, you know, they're really not going to go to any trouble to to connect or try to engage beyond what they typically do in their in the course of their busy lives. So, you know, we've all referred to the pandemic. Definitely the pandemic has brought so much into focus and in, in, in a positive way, um, helping us realize what's important. And I think nature is just a big part of that that conversation. Um, and it's and it's hard to talk about that nature connection without also talking about really play and that the sacred role that play has and how and how that looks when we can be outdoors exploring investigating wandering and even just being still together noticing uh, what's happening out out in nature so I hope that our that our book nature play workshop for families gives families play experiences you know some language around questions to ask and sort of ways to think about being outside um, in unstructured ways in addition to projects, which, you know, for some parents, they may just say, yep, I want to do a project. And that feels like there's steps, they can do it, they know what to do. Uh, I think for Karen and I, we really were interested in how do we encourage parents to facilitate play, nature-based you know, wild nature play, unstructured play. Um, so we, for us, we're hoping that our book strikes a balance between those questions and those kinds of experiences with more hands-on activities that a child um, may be interested in. Rachel, while the Unplugged Family Activity Book focuses on the family piece, much like Nature Play Workshop, um, it also highlights sort of the unplugged piece, obviously. So can you share some of the major benefits of unplugging as a family and why it's so important to take time to bond as a family away from screens? Yeah, I think as society has shifted and our lives have become centered more around devices, it's easy to lose touch with the importance of of having our hands engaged and our and our hearts engaged in a really different way. And for my own family, my kids have largely grown up 
engaged in hands-on activities and not spending a ton of time online. And I notice a difference in them and in myself when we're plugged in versus when we're unplugged. And and I think it's really important to state that, um, as I say in the book, there's not a right or wrong way to do this. Um, I'm not asking anyone to go full Luddite and completely unplug from all technology. That's that's not what I'm looking for. And I don't think that's what most families want today, that it's all about finding balance and it's about finding connection and developing relationships while we're offline and doing things that are really fun and really engaging for people of all ages, from parents to, you know, young children. Nick, the organic artist for kids sort of plays on the messages of unplugged activity and nature play. Can you talk about the role your book plays in sort of focusing on helping kids build resilience and become resourceful in an increasingly inorganic world? Well, first, I want to say I I sincerely resonate with everything everybody's saying so far, and I find uh, those things to be very true for my work and for me personally. And so it's very applicable with my new book, The Organic Artist. Unplugging, what an interesting concept. So in a way, I almost want to reframe the conversation at large into just plugging into the real World Wide Web, if you will, which is nature and the web of life and the actual fabric of of our real existence. And so that's as much as unplugging from the digital realities that are that have so much momentum in our modern lives, and especially for young people growing up without having a less digital foundation than other people, I do find it more and more actually critically important for people's mental health, you know, sense of self, sense of community, sense of the bigger picture around us and context in nature to have the opportunity to sit quietly on the landscape somewhere or take a a walk and, you know, to actually know how to look at nature and know how to speak the language of nature, so to speak. And of course, that's that language is ancient and infinite, and there's many different ways to plug into that World Wide Web. And basically, that's what my, not just my book, but my that's my work here in the world is to help be an ambassador for people back to our to our roots, our roots on the landscape, and our roots with our communities, and our roots with ourselves. Because it's easy, I think these days for some of us to to grow up without having any concept of what our origin stories are as a as a creature on this planet and um, we didn't just arrive as these digital um, cyborgy you know like experiments we have this vast deep root system that goes deep into the earth and deep into time with one another and that's you know that's kind of the core of everything i'm trying to do but also with adding the idea and the, the playfulness of creativity and art it's just so much more fun and so much more empowering and so much more supportive of all these other kind of deeper goals that I'm reaching for. And so it's, it's really all about plugging into the real World Wide Web, which is the web of life. And, um, you know, if, when people don't have that opportunity growing up in formative years to actually develop their own relationship with nature, and even if it's, you know, a little forgotten, overgrown part of the backyard in someone's neighborhood, even just those little wild, you know, sacred places can be really, really important for our, gosh, there's so much I can say about that, but (laughs) I think I'll stop right there for now. 
So I'm going to make this kind of like a presidential debate. I'm going to bounce back to Rachel just because we've, we're just talking so much about being plugged into you know, devices versus being plugged into the worldwide web of life, which I love that phrasing. Um, Rachel, is there anything that you want to add? I, I love everything that Nick said. It's so resonant for me. My, my background is environmental education. And so I've spent my career working with children in nurturing that relationship with the natural world. And I, I could not agree more with everything Nick just said. Um, I've had children show up for um, for programs in a remote field station and they, and they get off the bus with almost a fearful expression. And I specifically remember one child who said, is this the woods? Because I think I'm afraid of the woods. And she had never engaged with nature. She had never fallen in love with the world that we are a part of. And, and we've created this artificial line where we say humans are separate from nature and nature is everything else. And I think that is, um, is a tragedy that we've drawn that line because the truth is we're a part of nature. We're just the only species that has forgotten that. So I guess I want to come back to something that Monica said um, so we'll start with Monica and Karen on this question. You, what would you guys say to a parent or an educator who's sort of intimidated by the idea of nature play and doing things the correct way and making sure that they're following instructions? How do you, well, what advice would you give them? I just want them to know that there is no wrong way of doing anything that we have put in our in our book. And like Monica said, you know, the most important thing in, in our eyes is that families get outside and just explore and just have wild nature play. And hopefully they would become inspired to maybe try some of the activities. But, you know, all of the activities that we have in our book are really, you know, open-ended and meant to just inspire and, you know, hope that the families would put their own spin on, on, you know, on anything that we have in there. Do you want to add anything, Monica? Um, one of the themes that runs through our book is about the changing sky. That's no matter where you live and no matter where you are, we can all notice the sun overhead, the weather as it changes and the moon that comes out or the stars, you know, we, we've tried to think about some of these big nature elements that everybody feels because we're all on the planet, right? Experiencing Earth at the same time. So this idea of the changing sky, even a project as simple as um, creating a sundial, that is a really just simple invitation to notice what's happening in the sky and to notice how those changes affect us in, in the passage of time. And um, so you know, with shadows and how they move and how that affects the, the temperature and what animals choose to do in the shade versus the light. And, you know, even something as basic as the sun, um, it can be fodder for a lot of other inquiry. And it just helps for families to find meaning in, in our place in the world. And I like how Nick talked about the worldwide web of life because nothing could be more true. You know, we are, we can't be separated from the natural world, but um, unfortunately humans often think of themselves as in charge 
right, in control of of nature rather than one aspect of it. So I, I'd like to think that that all of our all of our books um, and the and uh, Nature Play Workshop for families that we're trying to give parents some tools to explore nature in a way that promotes this type of nature connection and deeper understanding. Uh, and we know that by creating children who are kind, observant, grateful, <laughs> children who take time to notice what's happening and take care in the s- smallest creatures, um, that kind of empathy is really what I'd like to see in the world. So to me, I, I feel like nature play can spark all of that uh, in, in young children and in families. Nick, what advice would you give to someone who is a little bit nervous about beginning this connection? Go forth with playfulness. <laughs> I, I definitely relate to the playful, this, the spirit of playfulness and curiosity, I think, is, is kind of the magic word for me. When I'm trying to be you know, um, an inspiration for people to reclaim their own birthright connection to to nature. I really am trying to inspire a sense of everlasting, infinite, lifelong curiosity. Because curiosity is this really powerful force in our lives where if we are truly in a state of being curious, then what that does is it emphasizes the mystery and it emphasizes the question. And it gives the question the right of way and it kind of demotes the all-powerful answer, you know, this in our current version of society and culture, we have been taught that answers are the king. And the problem that I have, not that I don't like having answers, but the problem that arises when the answer becomes the dominant goal is that we stop looking. Uh, Answers have ways of closing our awareness, whereas questions have the opposite effect of opening and expanding our awareness. And so When we approach nature and I'd say life in general from a state of curiosity, what happens is we find ourselves back in a really playful, I would say almost a childlike mind or inquisitive mind where there's a new vibrancy to the world. Everything's exciting and the pursuit of, you know, chasing down this mystery and trying and learning whatever we can about this bug or this flower or this tree or this animal track or this uh, particular twig or whatever it might be that we're observing, it makes the world that much more vibrant and that much more fun. And I think what happens with a lot of educators, people who you know are in a, a role at being responsible for sharing and teaching with other people, is that something that can happen is that we think that we have to be the experts and we have to know everything there is to know about whatever it is that we are inviting a young person to engage with. And that's... Um, I would consider that a, a thinking error. Actually, it's not not helpful at all because it's not even it's not even possible to be an expert in any one thing. It means there's nothing else to learn about it. And but when it comes to nature, there is no such thing as knowing all there is to know. So if we can get over that, you know, this is advice from one educator to another. If you can get over the myth that you have to know everything there is to know about the thing that you're trying to teach, then that opens up your experience to be that much more satisfying. And you can be a student right there along with the young people or whatever age your students are. You can learn right there along with them. And when questions come up, we don't have to know all the answers. Sometimes we can answer the question with another question that's coming from a very unique place. And oftentimes the answer might be, I don't know. Wow, let's have a closer look and see if we could figure this out together. 
uh, oh, I don't know. Let's see if we can learn something about it from the field guides or let's see what it feels like or smells like, you know, just really drawing in closer to the, to the things that we're trying to learn about. And so to summarize, I would say that if we can engage as, you know, engage as a student and as a learner, as you're being the educator, and then there's no, there's no ego involved. There's not, there's no fear of being wrong because you're not attached to being right to begin with. And you can just join on the learning journey right along with everybody else. Rachel, I think it's very interesting what Nick says about, you know, having to be like this expert in doing something in order to sort of feel like you you can lead the activity. And I feel like that must happen a lot with parents, especially within family units and especially now trying to sort of lead children on these activities. So what advice would you give to a parent looking to explore nature play, but is kind of nervous and intimidated by it? So Mel, you already know that I'm a homeschooling parent. Um, I've been homeschooling my kids for, my oldest is 18 now, and I've homeschooled since the beginning. Um, and, and it's a common question I get as a homeschooler as well, which is, how can you possibly know everything? Um, how can you hold all that, that vast universe of knowledge that you want to funnel into your kids? And I always say the same thing, which is, I can't, and I don't actually need to or want to. Um, my kids take the lead on their learning, and, and they do that through curiosity, through asking questions, and through really just getting out there knee-deep in the world and exploring, and like Nick said, learning together. Um, so their passions and interests I'm, I'm not there to fill them with my wisdom. Um, I'm there to be a liaison with them and the rest of the world. So, um, so my son was really curious about a bird that he saw the other day, and I didn't need to be able to ID the bird for him. I needed to connect him with the field guide and the tools and ask some, you know, some questions about how was it flying? How was it holding its head? What was its habitat? Um, so we don't have to be the vessel that contains all the information that that is needed. And I think I think the best advice I could give to a parent or to an educator and when it comes to exploring nature is to simply get out of the way and become a facilitator instead of a teacher. When you take a child out into nature, they often light up with an energy that you don't see in a classroom or even in a living room. Um, they, they come alive in these really brilliant and beautiful ways. And, and they know what to do. We all intrinsically remember. It's just a matter of getting out of the way and letting it all unfold. Let's start with Rachel on this one. What are you working on now? So, so right now I've just finished, uh, an, an unplugged summer camp that I put out for families to participate in. I've led in-person, um, herbalism summer camps for kids and, and families. And now I'm looking ahead to how I can take that model and make it something that's available, um, to families in this paradigm we're finding ourselves in right now. What about you, Nick? Well, let's see, I find myself spending a lot more time than normal because of pandemic land. I find myself doing a lot more homesteading than I normally would have the time to do. Oftentimes, I'm traveling and teaching at various primitive skills gatherings and nature-based learning events and things like that. And I find myself having all this wonderful time to 
be at home and work on land projects. And so one way that I'm taking advantage of that is investing a lot of energy into some of these land arts, these living sculptures that I have going on, these multi-year, long-term living sculptures that I use willow and other trees to make. And so there's a lot of land art happening in my world right now. And then uh, aside from from that, there's I'm making moves to elaborate on the projects that are in the Organic Artist for Kids to take them each a step further in an online class format that's I'm hoping to be able to launch here by sometime this fall, perhaps. So as far as you know, the topic of the book, that's kind of the direct follow up from the book. But other than that, it's just trying to spend as much time outside with my family and tending our gardens and orchard and watching flowers blossom and <laughs> just really trying to take advantage of whatever silver linings might be happening with the dramatic shift in our world right now. Let's move to Karen and Monica. Karen, what are you doing next? I just want to say, Nick, that's so cool about your your art. <laughs> I would uh, hopefully be able to see some of these land sculptures that you've been working on. Um, but just like you, Nick. I've been spending a lot more time outside. Um, I am a nature preschool teacher during the school year. In a typical summer, you know, I'd be, you know, just relaxing (laughs) pretty much. But I've had a lot more time and I've been spending a lot of time in my gardens, growing all sorts of vegetables that I hadn't in the past. And that's been really fun and rewarding. And in the early spring, I started foraging for mushrooms, which is, has become like an obsession. <laughs> I've learned so much uh, about mushrooms, but even just being able to find really interesting looking ones and taking pictures of them and things like that, it's just been, it's been really cool. And, you know, just like we were all saying about kids being able to find that spark or, you know, have the curiosity about something, it's really all you need is to just want to know about something. And then, you know, wow, you your mind can be blown by just a a little fun looking mushroom. (laughs) So yeah, I've been hiking with my dog and basically just exploring and and sort of researching for ideas for hopefully my next book. I've always wanted to write children's picture books. So Nature Play Workshop for Families was, was not exactly the book that I had planned on writing for my first book. But you know, I'm so excited that Monica and I did do that. But I really would love to write children's picture books. So, you know, all of these investigations, you know, with with nature are just hopefully going to become <laughs> future book. Yeah. And you, Monica? So right now there's there's a number of things that I'm working on. Um, first and foremost, I'm really trying to savor this time and consider it a gift for, for as, as stressful and challenging as it is. It's also a gift to have more time with my with my children, with my family. Uh, so we're spending a lot of time outdoors building forts and foraging. And um, all of this time has meant that I've spent a lot more time growing and cooking things right off the, the land and from my garden. And that's been something I'm really interested in, sort of this idea of um, how can families access all of all of the food sources that are often right already under our feet. Uh, so that's a topic that I'm quite interested in. But I'm also drafting some pieces for a teacher's guide to help nature-based educators do more with unstructured nature play and emergent curriculum. And uh, as, as I'm working on that project, we'll see, we'll see when that's able to come to fruition. 
But my work with um, the Eastern Region Association of Forest and Nature Schools means that I do a lot of teacher training, and typically we do those as live events um, throughout the year. And now we've had to rethink those and, and try to translate some of them to online experiences. And so I've been pleased to see just how engaging we can we, those can become. Um, it's still never going to be our ideal. You know, we'd rather be gathering gathering around a, a campfire in the woods somewhere. But um, but so certainly that's that's also keeping me busy. And, and as part of uh, the, the projects with ERA fans, we also run a forest preschool program, which is expanding into a K and first grade homeschool co-op uh, for the fall. So no shortage of, of projects here. And they're all centered on my singular mission of, of nature connection and just helping people, um, live closer to, to nature and in respect and really in one with, with a space. So that's, that's what's on my horizon. Sounds like you guys all have amazing things on the horizon. Thank you so much to all four of you, Monica, Karen, Nick, and Rachel for making it onto this podcast, for making time and for being a wonderful panel for me to talk to. Thank you so much for listening to Author Chats. Nature Play Workshop for Families, The Organic Artist for Kids, and The Unplugged Family Activity Book are all available nationwide. So please visit your favorite bookstore, library, or online retailer to find a copy for you and your readers. Enjoyed what you heard? Tell your friends. Share our podcast far and wide with colleagues by suggesting they subscribe to Author Chats on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever they listen to podcasts. And we'd be so grateful if you left a review so others can enjoy the podcast too. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music.